So today we are having our first interview on the podcast. I am delighted and excited. It's fair to say. Um, we yeah. spoke about this artist uh, last week because he got in touch with the podcast, and I don't know if you remember. I was saying how it brought back this feeling I'd had as a fan of music. Brought back that feeling which I thought was just kind of yeah. crushed in me from I don't know what. Yeah, just hearing from this guy. You know, he was one of my heroes when I was 16. And uh, yeah, just having belief from someone like that. Having someone like that back the, the podcast and what we're doing. Yeah, just really lit something up inside of me, you know. And um, yeah here we fucking are interviewing him, do you know? And, um, mm. yeah, I'm really, really excited to have him on, like. I can't wait. Hello, hello. How are you, guys? What's going on, guys? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Yeah, very good, man. Very good. Good. Yeah, just buzzing, buzzing to have this chat, man. Me and Phenom are just, yeah, just, just talking, talking about it and, yeah, just how cool yeah. it is. Man, I'm excited too. I, you know, I really, when I saw the podcast, I was like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> it's just Aww. such a great... It's such a great concept and you know it's funny when i first saw the how to break an artist my eyes rolled and then i realized it was you and i was like ah that's probably got some more meaning to it and then uh and then when i looked into it i was like oh shit, that's actually a really good idea well that's it we laugh a lot because like you just google how to break an artist there's actually people yeah. talking about how to well they think how to how to break artists uh, in 10 minutes yeah <laughs> yeah and um <laughs> often the methods they're talking about would probably lead to breaking an artist in the other sense of the word, you know? Yeah, which is, you know, it's totally true. I mean, we we're, our, our industry now is at a point where I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know, man. I've been doing this for 15, nearly 20 years, and, like, <laughs> I'm broken. Yeah. I feel I like a cynical it's... old man, you know, and I, and I, and I, I, I hate it. Well... <laughs> me and you the same greg i could see if you're not going shit i've still got hope <laughs> i know i know i listened to your last podcast and you sound so hopeful man i'm so happy for you <laughs> it's, i don't know it's either naivete or autism but hopefully it sticks <laughs> Just... uh i know yeah you're yeah you're in for a treat now if you're not i mean i don't know like what's better is if if it's to like have, ha have had what we had and watch it change or to be in Fionn's position where it's like, it's already like this. Yeah. And there's no like reference point to how it was 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't really know how it's going to evolve. Like I, from a, you know, a factual point of view, I look at things being rather fucked, but then I'm like, well, that's how it is. So I'm going to try to like make, make do. So I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think the heyday, like I would have much preferred like, you look at Alfie on YouTube, let's say like 15 years ago, like there's one video of, um, cause I was editing the socials yesterday. It's like Alfie walking through the streets of London doing a cover. Like you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't do it today. Like, cause it would just be so normal. But back then it wasn't like, yeah. it would have been so exciting. There would have been a sense of excitement cause it would have been new to do all the stuff that's like, um, expected today for social media and stuff like that. So, but then it's funny though, because also, we us we had our you know what you see what you said is a heyday but then we i think i'll speak for myself but i look back at like the 70s and the 60s as the heyday and i'm like oh i wish i could yeah. have done it then you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think everyone's always looking back at a time that is has passed for yeah. the most part yeah it's just been mad like 
listening back to your songs over the last week, kind of since you just got in touch, it really blew my mind hearing from you. I don't know, was sort of nervous about this whole thing. As as you know, it can just be very difficult to talk about the industry ins and outs to, I suppose, your audience. Um, I've been pretty vocal about it though, so I'm not. I don't think people are going to be too surprised. That's what I don't know. Just drew some parallels between, like, what what you know, what I was to Finon, what you were to me. Like, I've been following you for years and seen your career, and you have always been very honest and vocal on social media, and that has really inspired me in, in loads of different ways. So, thanks, man. You popping into the comments and saying right behind you or whatever it was, it really, yeah, it just it was huge. Um, and yeah, it just, I don't know, really gave me some confidence hearing from you. However, I don't know, you're, uh, the subject matter, as we said, is, is about being broken. So yeah, it, it was nice, but then I was sad to hear that you were broken too, because I suppose, yeah, I had an illusion that maybe Finon might have had of me as an artist, that yeah. hearing, hearing from you about the conditions in the industry for you. Uh, who, you know, from the outside, I'd have thought successful songwriter, you know, successful artist. Um, I don't know. It just broke down a lot of barriers for me, which I believe is good. Um, yeah. And yeah, kind of got, got me thinking in, in a different way about this business, I suppose. Totally. And I, I think it's hard because I th you're supposed to keep up this illusion that everything's great. And, and I think people look at you if you're complaining. So, I mean, I've been told, you know, from some friends when I've complained, like, shut up, dude, you've, you've got a great career. Like get over it and shut up when I've yeah. complained about Spotify or whatever. It's like, I'm not, it's not like I'm sitting here saying my life sucks and like, I hate everything. It's just, I'm trying to speak out for an industry that's falling apart, you know? And look, I'm, I'm not going to, I have a, I have a nice life. I had a, I've had a somewhat successful career and it's, it's looked different than what I thought it would. But I, you know, I can, I'm, I'm making a living and I'm sitting very comfortably in my house right now. And that's awesome. I'm so grateful for it. But that doesn't mean I'm not allowed to point out problems with our, with our industry. You know, the fact that yeah. songwriters can't unionize, that's fucked up. You know, the fact that, yeah. the fact that we get 0 0.004 cents per stream on Spotify, which is like the fucking... I mean, it's the industry standard now, Spotify, you know, like no one really, t I mean, yeah. Apple Music is great, but no one really talks about it. It's all about Spotify numbers. Yeah. And we yeah. get paid almost nothing. And yeah. I'm allowed to talk about that just because I make a living still. I'm allowed to talk about it, you know. No, exactly. What it's sadly, it seems like it's been socially accepted as, you know, people joke about how little artists and songwriters get paid from streams and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not. It really isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you make of all this being on? I think um, in terms of the union part, I was talking to Alfie there. The actor strike ended yesterday, I think. But like the fact that actors can um, come together and go on strike and actually change the fact that AI is coming to play to like you know affect the the smallest part of the food chain who are like the, the extras they're going to be scanned in and um at the discretion of the studios be used um uh it's mad but but i was saying to alfie like there's nothing like <laughs> it's happening but it's like there's not one thing that like everyone will just pause um yeah there's no like music equivalent so in hollywood they'll, they'll shut down they'll have a strike because they've got a union but 
in music if AI is coming to threaten our jobs or if streaming companies are coming to pay us very little there's no way in which we can stop and halt business I suppose enough to make a change in the industry yeah. I mean imagine if we could just all of a sudden everybody pull all of our songs off Spotify mm. just just be like hey Spotify you're not paying us enough please remove every song that I've written and if every songwriter did that there I mean the thing about Spotify they is have they, nothing. they they fuck the very people that give them their product like what yeah, other yeah. industry what other industry can that happen in yeah like where where could you like just get absolutely shafted by the people that are giving you the product that's making you all the money like what the fuck yeah but they've managed someone i don't know how who they are but this it's managed to become a thing where so many new artists want to achieve the Spotify playlist, the new music for it, whatever it is. So many artists mm. will do whatever it takes to get that. Yeah. And that is a massive issue because it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't pay and it, it doesn't lead anywhere. And we speak about the effectiveness of it and how many songs actually get saved and how many people actually become fans. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it feels really hard to combat the situation when young artists are using it as a metric, if you get me. You yeah. know, like a lot of people would like deem the their bar. single. Yeah, a lot of people would deem their single a failure if they don't get on it, which I think is, which is really sad. I mean, yeah, because remember why we made music in the first place, you know, to reach people. And you could reach people because your song was good. People passed it around and people shared it. And yeah. now music is so, it's such a commodity. There's so much of it. I mean, I was looking up this morning, just I was trying to get some numbers in, written down before the podcast and something like 120,000 songs come out every day on Spotify. What the hell? Like, what the yeah. fuck? That's like, yeah. what, three quarters of a million songs a week come out? Like, how the hell? Even if you... Even if people are out there, look, I have, I don't remember how many, I canceled my Spotify subscription a little while ago, so I can't see a lot of this stuff. But I think I had something like 160,000 monthly listeners. Yeah. And when I, when I put out a single, it gets like 2,000 streams. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's so, like, what's that about? It's, what's that about? Yeah. The same in Instagram. Very... I have 20, 25,000 um, followers, but when I post something, I might get 50 likes. I might get, yeah. you know, yeah. what the fuck? You spend all this, all these years investing in this platform, this company, and, and then they use an algorithm to fuck you in the ass. Sorry, I yeah. should probably use better. No, but <laughs> no, uh, just... we're, we're very candid. We're all for the candid <laughs> yeah. chats. Okay, good. Yeah, no, it's, I completely relate. Yeah, uh, I, like, yeah, yeah. I completely relate. I think, um, yeah, it just feels like an awful lot of work for, for not much really return. And, lot, and like you said, it's payout. actually, it doesn't, yeah, it feels like it's gotten worse. Um, and I'd, I'd like go. Uh, I'd love to talk. Like, like, like I found out about you through YouTube, for example. And I remember that's how I found out about you guys. I think I think you covered one of my songs. We would have done, Craig. And yeah, I'm really sorry yeah. uh, about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm look. I look back on my band in a very different way when I was in it. And my brother had the passwords, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> um, but I'm so sorry for anyway. No, I mean I've always um, kept an eye on you guys. You know, since since then, you've always been on my radar. I've loved. I was always yeah, love your love your tunes and um yeah. But found out about you through there. I remember you having quite a large audience. Like just to think in, in that way, like you were you were very popular on YouTube, 
Yeah. Do you feel like it was more effective then, or you were closer sure. to your audience then? Yeah. And yeah. Like it if felt you, like if you... the numbers reflected the subscribers. You know, the views yeah. reflected the subscribers because I think the way that the subscribers were given the new videos was much more geared towards them getting what they asked for instead of yeah. them being fed a bunch of crap from an algorithm. Like I found out about you from seeing your video on the YouTube homepage. It was like the top rated music video. Oh, yeah. And and, and I just popped onto it. I go, wow, this guy looks great. Sounds great. Found loads of your other videos that were more candid. You kind of just playing to the camera sort of thing. And yeah, yeah kind of became a fan via those means i suppose um i too look back on those with such sh sh um yeah sh shame and like ugh, you know i know I <laughs> but whatever know. it's history it, it is what it is it is exactly and i don't know i think where yeah and, and in the last few years i would have thought for someone who was so engaged with your music back then like i don't know you were lost in my feed I didn't yeah. see much of your music and now, now I'm rediscovering it here yeah. and I'm like, where the fuck was that when I needed it three, <laughs> yeah. four years ago, Do you yeah. know? Um, and yeah, I, feel, I felt bad as a fan of your music to go, well, why didn't I see this coming? And it could touch on and it could be because it's not connecting people in the same way as it used to. No. Um, and I just found that really interesting. And yeah, I just found it sad as a fan to go, I could have been supporting Greg your music could have been buying your albums, you know, uh, three, four years ago. Yeah, it just, yeah, re it really made me notice the shift um, yeah. in in that kind of communication and that contact. And it's discouraging because you, you kind of, not that we make music for the recognition or for the feedback, but we do a little bit, obviously. And, yeah. you know, I think when you get to a point where you realize that if you post something, most people aren't going to see it anyway. You start asking yourself, like, why am I, why am I posting this? Yeah. And then you don't post yeah. it. And then when you don't post it, you're like, well, why am I making it? Like, why am I spending money to make it? Like, I could, of course, just write songs in my bedroom or my studio or whatever and, and enjoy them for myself. But unfortunately, this became my job 15 years ago and I make a living from it and I need to keep making a living from it. I mean, I just had a kid, like you know, new stresses in my yeah. life. And so yeah. you look at the algorithms as the enemy. And I hate that because I don't want to, I don't want to look at my career and the platforms that I've used for all these years as an, en as an, as a, as, as the enemy, but you kind of can't help it because they don't serve you anymore. And the, the annoying thing is, is we've invested 10, 15 years into Instagram and into YouTube and, and now they're turning on us. You know, oh, Greg, you're talking yeah. so much sense, man. Um, I don't know if you know. And, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in school. I'm just being quiet. Just like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Um, so to to kind of see if there's any similarity, Greg, what got you into it? Like in the first place, before the algorithms, before YouTube, before all that, what you know, what made you? Say? Man, I, I wanted to be Bob Dylan. You know, Aww. I just wanted to be Bob, Bob Dylan. And, and my, I remember I was, I think I was 18 years old. I was late to the game, actually. I was 18 and I was, you know, didn't really have any hobbies or goals or anything. And I was working at McDonald's in uh, the north of England and someone, one of the managers there handed me a few Bob Dylan CDs, like ripped, you know, just like he'd copied them. It's like Blood on the Tracks and Desire and Greatest Hits and 
Nashville Skyline or something. I don't remember what they were now, but it like changed the course of my fucking life, you know? And, and wow. so I just started writing songs and then I was in a band for a little while, a, a punk band and a metal band. And then I, th I th maybe it was like four years later, I decided I wanted to do the Bob Dylan thing. I wanted to be a singer songwriter. So I just started writing songs and really the only, I didn't even really know YouTube was a possibility until I was working in London and there was this guy who was quite a big YouTuber. I didn't know YouTubers were even a thing. But, I, you know, we were chatting and he, I told him I was a musician and I had songs. He's like, oh, I'll post something about you. And he did. Um, and it like blew up my YouTube channel. I'd only just started. I'd only had a couple <laughs> of songs on there. And all of a sudden I had an audience. Before that I had zero, zero audience. You know, wow. I mean, it was like the MySpace days. So, you know, no, yeah. I had a, like a handful of MySpace fans, but really I had no audience. So I, I was just writing all these songs, but then it, all of a sudden I had an audience and I had all of these songs and that's where the living room series came from. Cause I was like, well shit, I've got tons of songs. I'll just make a weekly thing. Cool. That's and that's how that cool. started that's to evolve. That's really cool. Yeah. And af after that, like when did music become a job for you? Uh, was that, was it, did you see it as a job then? No, cause I wasn't making any money from it, but I was like 25 working in London and I was making these YouTube videos. Um, and getting more and more people's attention. And, and then I got featured a couple of times when that was a thing, you know, and, and then yeah. a couple of my videos got hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, fuck. Um, and I started seeing potential there and I was playing shows in London and people were showing up and, you know, I, I just, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a popular musician. So I quit my job in London and I moved to New York <laughs> on a whim, just like on a total, yeah. total crazy whim, sold everything I owned, moved to New York. And then, it became my job then because I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. When you got to New York, what was the first thing you did? I just kept playing gigs. Really? Yeah. And did you have anyone looking after you at that point or was it very much you were just going, I need to do this? I had a manager. I had a manager in New York who had found me through various, you know, various people I'd worked with on my way to New York. Um, he found me and he was my point of contact there. And then... Once I got to New York, he started taking me to um, publishers. You know, I was doing meetings with publishers, doing the whole yeah. sit down, sit down on the desk and <laughs> sing yeah. to the whole team. You, you've done it. Um, yeah. And everyone blows smoke up your ass and then never calls you back. Yeah. And then just kept playing gigs and then people kept coming and eventually the shows were getting packed and more people started paying attention. And then the label started knocking on my door, but I didn't, I wasn't interested. Um, and then I got a admin deal through a small publisher, which didn't, I didn't get an advance, you know, there was no money coming in, but, um, then what the main change for me was when, uh, Ingrid Michaelson saw me playing in, uh, in New York and invited me on tour. Yeah. I remember you doing something with her. Yeah. Yeah. I opened for her in 2009 for a whole U S tour, which was my first tour, really my first pr proper tour. And it was unbelievable. And, and around that time, I started getting licensing things, you know, for little TV shows and stuff. So some money was coming in. So it was nice. And then that's really when it was a job, I guess, you know, 2009, it became, yeah. became a legitimate job. It was a low paying job, but it was a, yeah. it was a job and I could survive in New York city, which to me, that's all I really cared about. You know, if I can pay my bills, great. Yeah. 
Well, Fiona, I'd say you've loads of questions about that, but <laughs> no, no, I could just keep talking. I'm sorry, I haven't done an interview in about three years, so I could just no, Greg, it's so <laughs> talk good. and talk you, and talk. You you speak so well. Thank I you. found the licensing so interesting when I was looking into where your songs were placed because you meant there was like one on a Target advert and there's one in Sons of Anarchy and mm -hmm. like you'd have written the song, you know, for your own reason and and it's about what it's about and then it's taken and put it on um I don't know a Target advert and it, yeah. I, it's it just so interesting um i i yeah <laughs> i was like i'm releasing my song in a week i'm trying to figure out like where it might end up in the world <laughs> well it used to be much more common i remember when i was in the new york singer songwriter scene and all my everybody was like getting licenses that was like that was the thing that was the way people could sustain themselves so i had friends like ingrid michelson and greg laswell and joshua radin and they were getting these huge placements on like big commercials or big tv shows and gray's anatomy was like if you got a song on gray's anatomy that was it like that you you would sell out a tour you know that was how it was yeah. back then if you got your song on a big tv show your your shows would sell out immediately and it's not really like that now but back then that was the that was the goal you know how you're saying the metric with the like streams yeah. and play playlists like for us it was get a song on a fucking tv show and um, was that particularly in America? Yeah, yeah, because it was shows yeah. like it was shows like Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice and what's another one? Um, one Tree Hill, you know, all yes. those kind of shows. Yeah, yeah, all the shows yeah. that the kids watched. And and you know, when it was we didn't have Netflix then. There was not there was no streaming of TV shows, so it was TV. You're on TV. You're on cable television. And it would be very instant i suppose everyone would be watching on a thursday night and mm -hmm. it would be oh my god in yeah and your page would explode Overnight sensation sort of yeah thing. your page would explode yeah. and then all your shows would sell out and i suppose you might have experienced that as a songwriter as well right because you've written a song for one of the Amer what was the american tv show for a winner for that did that american happen? idol was that a, was that a, how, how did that differ to being an artist getting a big uh, tv sort of well, moment. that was a crazy moment. I mean, that was to this date still the craziest, probably most life changing thing that's happened to me. Really, I mean, my song got picked up by American Idol, and uh, they they played it in the finale. Like they used it as the finale song for one of the artists, yeah. Philip Philip Phillips, and he won Philip American. Beautiful song. Thanks, man. And he won American Idol with that song, and then it became a number one song in America. So it was just Jesus. fucking unbelievable, and it's so cool. You know that's still the biggest thing that's happened in my career but it's ironic because i always hated american idol i hated those shows i think those reality shows have actually kind of ruined the music but it's ironic because i wouldn't be i wouldn't have a, <laughs> a roof yeah. over my head probably if it wasn't for the american idol so no that's amazing it shows you the power of it and um well also i think it shows you the power of a good song because yeah it it's the song that song that did it um i think anyway but um it's so cool to see how much of an impact it made. Yeah. It still makes I, I wonder if, if that would happen now. You know, I often wonder if if I'd written that song now, like how would it how would that even happen now with the amount of songs yeah. that there are? And even if it was a hit, even if it was a a winning song in American Idol, would it would it splash the same way that it did ten years ago? You know, now with Spotify and because that happened before Spot that was pre Spotify. Yeah. You know it's and, it's really strange to think about these things and like yeah would that would would the song carry itself you know yeah. um but without all of these industry mechanics that make them 
heard, I suppose. You know, yeah. I, I like to believe the song does carry and that almost anybody could play that song and it would be, that's a fucking great song. I'm, I'm on board. Do you get me? Yeah. I want to remain optimistic about that. You know, I want to think yeah. that if you write a great song, it will find, <laughs> it will find the place. But I'm worried that it won't. Yeah, me too. There's, there's probably some amazing songs out there that just aren't being heard because they can't be. Yeah. It feels like much more of a hustle to get your song seen or taken seriously. Like, I remember watching those shows. I now, what I don't know what year that was. I was probably nine years old <laughs> when that happened. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> that made me feel old. Yeah. But, I, like, I'd watch those shows. Um, but the fact that, like... That, um, it was it was placed on that show, but it sold like five million copies. It actually like sold copies, and like mm-hmm. people actually went and bought it and didn't just go and stream it. Like it's, you know, it's just mad to. Right? Yeah, I don't know how it happens now. I'd have to get in contact with um, a sync agent, use my buzzwords in my email. I'd, like, I know. Cross yeah. my fingers. But I <laughs> I also wonder what the financial like. It would be very different, like you said, sales to streams. Like if you, you know, if you if you did get a number one, whatever, even twenty years ago, and you, yeah, you sold that many. There's obviously just more money in that than than streaming, you know. Um, so I wonder, would like the big sync moment now, financially, how does that compare for the artist and also the label as well and everybody else involved? Well, for the artist, the sync. I mean, if you're signed to a major no. label, you don't get any money. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like I've experienced that uh, as you might have heard Greg from the episode. It's like if you're in debt with the label, you're in debt with the label. Your music doesn't right. make money. Yeah. And if it does, it'll come in and it'll just add to that debt and you might be a little bit closer to one day owning a bigger percentage of it. <laughs> it it's funny that your last episode, I listened to the whole thing and uh, it, a lot of it really hit home for me too because, you know, I had a, I was signed to Warner Brothers. I had a major de- okay. deal with them and, I put out an album called Chase the Sun that I made independently. I actually made it um, with a producer wow. in L- in LA, but I paid for it myself. But then I, I actually, um, Warner Brothers bought it from me and signed me. Okay. And unfortunately, they dropped me, you know, like two years later. Yeah. And they own that now. And going to what you were saying about how much they spend, I, mean, I remember when I signed with them and they wanted to, hire a photographer and they wanted to make these videos and I was looking at the totals and maybe I was thinking about it wrong and my manager told me I was I was like micromanaging what they were spending because I knew that that was my debt yeah yeah you know so they were like do you know what you you said that they 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 were making like 35,000 40,000 dollar videos my first music yeah. video was a hundred and fifty thousand dollars Jesus well, Christ. Uh, yeah and then they made another off. one. Then they made another one that was a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god! So I'm oh immediately two music videos. I'm immediately in quarter of a million dollars debt with my record label. Oh god! I'm so sorry. That in the, is in the streaming age, you know. So like, when yeah. the fuck? I mean, that's just two music videos. Not to mention they put me on tour. Yeah. They they um they paid for a publicist. They we did a Jesus. photo shoots. I mean, over the two years, they must have spent a million dollars on me. So I'm never going to recoup that money back. I will never own that album. I mean, I think there's probably a copy. It probably runs out at some point. But I, uh, yeah, I don't get paid from that album. So when that when a song blows up on that record or when someone, you know, streams it a bunch, I don't get anything. And it 
won't maybe even make a dent, Greg, in in the in the million quid that might have been spent or no way. You know, whatever the ba- whatever the balance sheet is. I just got mine back the other day. <laughs> I mean, I hate to tell people I misinformed them in the first episode. It wasn't three hundred grand debt? It was six hundred grand debt. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and yeah, it's. I have to laugh, unfortunately, because if I didn't, I'd cry. As a songwriter, when, like, when was it that American Idol thing? Was that was that the moment you were like, I'm a songwriter? Did you were you hustling for a while trying to get cuts with other artists, or how did how did it come about? It's it's a complicated answer, and I'll try not to talk for seven hours. But um, <laughs> I always hated co-writing. And interesting, I was fighting against it so much back then. My manager and my publisher, I mean, I was, I never, actually never, I should say, I never had a publishing deal. I, I always signed an admin deal, so I re- remained the owner of my songs. How, been, who was giving fortunate. you this information? What? Like, who, you seem like you manager. were quite informed. My, really. That was my old yeah. manager. That was my old manager. I'm not with him anymore, but that was my old manager. And, you know, that's one thing I have to thank him for is that he never let me sign a publishing deal. So I've always owned my songs. Um, But anyway, I was writing, I was writing a little bit, but always resisting. And even with the home songwriting session, um, I talked about this. I have a YouTube series now called My Songs and Their Stories, where I sort of tell the story. Brilliant, by the way. I love it. Oh, thank you. It's Um, really cool, man. Shameless plug right there, but um, I, <laughs> no, I was going to plug it for you anyway because no, it is—it's honestly so. I've never seen anything like that before. Really uh, nice way to understand where you were at when you wrote the song. I mean, the visuals, everything—you setting up the sound of it. I ten out of ten for me. I don't know if you know, thanks, it's probably man. the same. It's so insightful. As a songwriter, I'm taking it, and um, yeah, after you talk about it, I have something I put to use today. Um, as a songwriter, from uh, uh, the little snippet of you talking about home. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about how you wrote the chorus. Um, you were feeling kind of lazy, so you used the ooze. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I had a friend today, and they were like, oh, "I don't know what the chorus is going to be." I was like, "Try a new woo." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, I think some people would, uh, um, you know, embellish that and like and say like, "Oh, you know, I was thinking about the stars and the trees, and then it just made me want to say ooh." But really, <laughs> like, just being fucking lazy, and I just admit it. You know, like, why not admit yeah. it? But I tried to cancel that session, like I mentioned in the um, in the video, just because I I just was burnt out. I mean, I'm a to me, I'm an artist first, songwriter second, or at least okay, artist first, songwriter for other people second. Yeah. Um, and I always felt like that, and I always had a little bit of chip on my shoulder too about co-writes and stuff. And even then, I tried to get out of the session, and I ended up doing it. And thank God, it changed my life. But after that was when it really became kind of a shit show because all of a sudden I was a, you know, quote unquote hit songwriter. Mm. So everybody was trying to get me in rooms with everybody. But at the time I had not the greatest publisher um, or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't with the greatest team. And yeah. so the, the I didn't end up in rooms that I wish I'd end up, ended up in and could have ended up in if I'd had better opportunities, you know, a better team around yeah. me maybe. Like at the time, I should have been in the room with Ryan Tedder and Max Mine at that point because I had had a number yeah. one number one song. Like, there's no reason why I couldn't get in the room with them, but I didn't. Well, that's where the perception I would have had is you were doing that sort of shit. After American Idol, I was like, Greg's fucking. Nah, I never get in the room with him now, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, I was. I, I should admit, I I'm a self sabotager. 
I always have been, and I probably always will be. I, I am a self-sabotager, and I also have always been a little bit of a punk. And well, I, I, I hear that in your new ventures, musical ventures. Um, yeah, are, yeah, really cool. Thanks, man. But I just, I don't know. I've always been sort of fighting against myself. So even in that moment where I had this hit song and I was being given all these opportunities, I was still fighting against them, and I even stopped i even stopped co-writing for a second and i fucked off to india <laughs> no way. yeah yeah i fucked off to india i went to the himalayas and i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be a songwriter anymore <laughs> which is so stupid How's that I, mean, working I, out like big, I know it's so <laughs> stupid but i still do it now i mean i you know i've had 10 years since then of working in la working with i mean i've been in the room with I, in the end i did actually make it to max martin's studio and i worked with people from Dr. Luke's camp and I worked from people, I worked with David Guetta and I, you know, I had all these crazy sessions and, but I just fucking hated it, man. I want, I I wanted to be Bob Dylan going back to that. I didn't want to be in the, behind the scenes as this, as this hit chaser, because that's really what it is in LA. It's a grind. You're writing every day and you're just hoping that someone picks up your song and you hoping you can get in the room just and grab an opportunity and it's really brutal and it's really cutthroat and there's a lot of camps there's a lot of clicky little camps and if you can't get in the camp you're not it's not going to happen and just i'm not really that competitive as a human being i'm not a hustler i really am not and like that's probably why my career feels like it's grinding to a slow and depressing halt at the moment is because i'm just not i'm not a hustler and so I have a hard time, especially now with like, you know, you were talking about like the video screen, uh, thumbnails and like the, you'll never believe what's yeah. going to happen next. And yeah. like, yeah. I just, I can't fucking do it, man. And, yeah. and so I guess that the more that the industry becomes like that, the less I feel like I'm a part of it and the less I feel like I can compete. Like when it was a case of write a good song, go play a show and you'll impress people. I could do that. Now it's like, be completely shameless in your self-promotion. Yeah. yeah. Embarrass yourself. I mean, I'm I'm 40 years old, man. Like, you think I'm yeah. gonna like whore myself out on Instagram? I'm I'm you know like and 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 try no, and trick yeah. trick people into watching my videos and and post these selfies and 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 make exciting videos. Like, fuck off, man. I can't do it. And you know, and the the closest I can get to that is that new YouTube series that I've done. And because I love cinematography, I love audio, I love. Like I'm really enjoying that series, but that's about as close as I'm going to get to whoring myself out, you know, on the internet. Well, it's really, I mean, it's it's really cool. It's I thought it was very unique, and yeah, I mean, fair play to you for finding something that works for you amongst this very busy, all of these busy platforms. You know, it yeah. was really a genuine moment of calm on the internet uh, when I was looking into it, and I was sucked oh, into nice. yeah an hour of watching it. And, oh, amazing! Uh, yeah, man. Really, I appreciate that. Really, really, really insightful. And I don't know, maybe it's a good example for anyone listening. Do your fucking thing. Do you know, it's really you know, in a way, you've gave really good advice. I think there, Greg, just by 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 explaining what you could do, and then going, "This is what I did." Um, and I think yeah, that's just something. I know. I don't know. What do you take away from it, Finon? I think that's what. Um, can help an artist navigate how much of a shit show it is right now is the fact that the artists who've been through it before when the industry is a bit different telling them then it's up to them if they listen or not and mm-hmm. you know i have been listening the best that i can anyway but um <laughs> like this uh pre like 
you know pre-release to my song like i i was going to do like certain social media stuff like i call it social media with subtext because i wasn't gonna <laughs> i wasn't gonna you know sell my soul for it but mm-hmm. even then i was like there's no point <laughs> i have no audience no one's gonna listen to this unless the song's there like what am i doing so yeah i can post release and you know yeah. i have a music video to actually show them and i don't know i don't the the competition thing stuck out to me because that's what it feels like and if you're putting your worth on like going on your phone going on an app and posting something some days i you know it just i don't know yeah it feels antisocial. i don't know what it is it just doesn't feel like like onto music if, as someone who's doing it now in that climate without having the reference to 10 years ago or 15 years ago how, how does it feel for you like what do you what well, how do you look at it now uh um i've so i say a year and a half ago um alfie would have told me you know the state of hudson taylor and i would have it was like being told like santa wasn't real i was like no yeah. way <laughs> like i was like no no <laughs> take it back um and i just moved to london and it was like great timing so i was just like i remember using the word disillusion all the time i was like what the fuck man <laughs> yeah. uh, cause i think I, I i finally like saw it as it is but then i um six months later i went back and actually studied music so i was studying the music industry and as around these people who um it was a it was a really hands-on course for the year and i think that got me um it gave me hope of it was just the community that i hadn't had um because mm-hmm. i had my film degree and had been trying to <laughs> navigate that industry in the uk and it just wasn't working so it gave me a bit of hope but and then i um i stepped away from the course then this year and in figuring out um how i would and wouldn't go about it it's made me enjoy it a lot more and the writing a lot more and i hope then that will work out as it grows in a year's time if i one of my let's say i have an ap out and um an audience there and i can play the benchmark being like certain shows you know if i can do that without the social media yeah um i don't know if it's like the deficit <laughs> of like mental no, health. and it's like can you can you do it without social media nowadays you know that's the that's yeah. really the question and that, that i think we're a lot of people my age especially are asking like how do we how do people in their 30s and 40s or even late 20s like do this do you because i feel like i carry a sense of guilt for promoting these ideas for the last 10 years working in music i i've been the fucking one on the front lines going pre-save my shit you know yeah sign up to this spotify thing like I carry a bit of guilt for leading Fionnon down this path. I also carry guilt for <laughs> shattering his delusion, uh, his illusion. Sure. Um, That's when I felt broken but, as an but, artist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I wonder, like, and I'm not saying you drove me into doing stuff on YouTube, but like, I wonder, do you feel any of that sense of like, oh, fuck, I've been a part of this as well. And we have, as artists, have walked into it. And is that our fault? Is that the industry's fault in a, in a wider, you know, what what's how does that make you feel first of all i don't know if i carry any guilt but maybe it's kind of that like that analogy like how do you how do you boil a frog no no what is it when you boil a, if you boil a frog slowly then you don't, they don't realize yes. they're being boiled <laughs> you, you don't like, re- yeah uh, yeah and so it's only now when i look back and, and i'm like oh shit yeah i really Fuck. was i really was part of that but like none of us knew none of us knew what we were part of because we didn't know what it was going to end up becoming yeah but, but now wow. we're all now we're all like ah oh, fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i mean what we just how did, do you we just... feel about yeah 
How do you feel about that now? You know, because we're obviously we spoke about it. We're approaching new technologies now, yeah. and we don't know about them. Like, what are we going to do? There's three generations of artists here going. You know, we're we're this is happening again. Um, I, I think we're all connected in the sense that we all love Bob Dylan. <laughs> so yeah. I I remember like when I was living in Brighton. Um, I'd go. I to, used like, to live in Brighton East. too, actually. Dude, oh wow! Fuck Jeez. yeah! Well, there's oh, something we all have in common. Yeah, I just go to the the bookshop off Sydney Street, and um, I found a Bob Dylan encyclopedia once, and um, I, I looked in the back and I saw Liam Clancy, and I'd be a massive fan of the Clancy Brothers, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. then I realized like, oh wow, Bob Dylan like was a kid, and the Clancy Brothers were like, he was just like an, like tug on their sleeve, just annoying them, and yeah. just like the young boy, like, and um, I don't know, it, it just gave me whole, it gave me perspective of like, okay, so the Clancy Brothers were like they were actors and they went over to America to do that, found these songs, worked there and performed like Shakespeare. And I was like, wow, I could take bits of that now. And I'm sure like what I find is that there's always the iceberg and with social media, people's attention, they go to the tip of it. But if you go under it, there's an influence to your influence like this right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, you know, regardless of of how social media has evolved over the last 10, 15 years, one thing hasn't changed and it's that songwriters start being songwriters because they get inspired by a, an artist yeah. be, um, before them, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and I think if, if we can keep that mindset then, and just sort of either use social media for what it is or just fucking ignore it and just yeah. keep that inspiration alive by, I don't know, following li- you know, live musicians or going to, um, going to bars and watching open mic nights and just trying to stay in that grassroots sort of live world, then maybe you can stay inspired. Cause I think as soon as you jump on your phone and start scrolling, it's like yeah. so depressing. I mean, I used to follow Foy Vance around. I remember when he was really? playing, he was playing in London a lot and, and Brighton and stuff. And I was a little kid tugging on his arm, you know, like just, yes. just being fucking blown away by him. And I would just go That's to every. So cool. sh- I would just go to so many of his shows and fo- you know, be like, "Hi, Foy, can you help me? Um, I'm a songwriter, also." You know, and he was really sweet. He he'd, <laughs> he'd always talk to me, and eventually we actually ended up um, hanging out in New York together and having a few beers, and it was really cool. He's such a nice guy. Um, oh, that's daddy. But it was um, it was you know, everyone has that artist that isn't huge because Foy Vance wasn't big at that time. He was playing in like tiny little venues in London. Um. Everyone has that little that artist that they think is fucking amazing that hasn't yeah. been discovered yet, and they follow him around. And you know, I think probably was Bob Dylan to the Clancy Brothers, even though they they obviously were very well known. But yeah. you know, and then Fiona, you looked up to Alfie, and you know, Alfie, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it looks like you know, no, I honestly did, you right, I did. Yeah, yeah. towards my direction at least. Um, yeah, and you know, I think that that is where it's still is pure so what can we leave you know if we're going with this if we are (laughs) if we are the the people going ahead of them now greg how do we go here's something you can do if you know to just help yourself in the future you know if you know i'm real cynical bastard maybe like yourself don't want to put words in your mouth (laughs) but um yeah we can't, I don't, I just feel, I can't leave, you know, and going, oh, I'm fucked. What, what's going to happen? Like, where, what's the most important thing you think well, artists should be thinking about right now? Live, live concerts. 
going to fucking open mics, having a community still. I mean, the best time of my life was when I lived in New York and I would go to I would go to Rockwood Music Hall every single night. And all my friends, we were all singer-songwriters, part of this community, some successful, some not. But I would go every night and someone I knew was playing and I would just hang out and listen to their songs and sometimes get up and sing with them. And then I would play and they'd sing with me and it was a community. And so nothing really else, nothing else mattered. I mean, we didn't, we had Instagram, but no one cared about it yet. And yeah. and, and we had YouTube, but it, it wasn't really that important. We were, we were playing live music. We had, fa- we had fans and followers and friends and it was just, it felt warm. It felt safe. It felt... It's- so inspiring. sad we talk talking about it like it's in the past and it's not coming back right I, so, I, I know but i'm it's like so is, it, is it is it is it not there anymore like i don't know i mean i don't go out to shows anymore because i'm so jaded that when i go to a show i'm judging it like so i can't even yeah. watch a live concert anymore without rolling my eyes and i hate that i hate that I'm not, that's where i'm at but like do you are there open mic nights still where people aren't just trying to like promote themselves and it's just a community or does it not exist it's like what you said are are the is the intentions the same do you know uh as as they were yeah the intentions uh, now is to like yeah instagram followers instagram followers yeah. tiktok followers everything is about please i need more followers i need follow me follow me follow me where i don't know when i was yeah. 25 and i was about to move to new york and i was playing open mic nights it was just that none of that existed so really it was just like come watch me live so yeah that's think, so interesting. I think the most telling thing is busking. I I've been a busker since I was like eighteen, and um, good for you, man. I've noticed over, over the last two years there was people are busking still, but they're streaming to TikTok. It's <sighs> and it's like karaoke. It's like it's become karaoke, and it yeah. and um, everything just, has to be fucking streamed, man. Sad. I don't know. And I'd go out. So like I quickly learned because I was eighteen. I'd be doing covers of Alfie songs. I'd be doing passenger covers. I did them so badly and so i just like i don't know i wasn't trying to get anyone's attention i was just playing songs i liked and they were slow and sad but i had great crack and um i really just got to try out things and i just yeah. grow and um i don't know it's just it doesn't feel the same like i'm open mics there's one in cork and you know that yeah <laughs> the, the venues in ireland don't seem as accessible to upcoming artists um because it's so many yeah i wonder greg though was there like it just maybe was there less financial pressure for you at that time like was the gigs paying like were you selling cds like was there anything keeping you going because i feel like a lot of young people are just so snowed under and like you you know obviously yeah there are things like social media to, to that that are maybe accountable for some of this stuff but also just financially i feel like being a musician going having the time to go out and pay play with your mates on a Tuesday night open mic. It's just, it just, I just don't know if that time is available for yeah. young people now I mean, as, yeah, as much I mean, as it was, to, what was, was it was to us, you know? Yeah, maybe I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not 18 anymore. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But I had a job, you know, I had a, I had a day job and yeah. I'd go out at night. It wasn't, I wasn't financially, yeah. I wasn't making any money. I mean, you don't get paid for open mic nights. You don't get, yeah. I didn't really even have CDs at that point. I was just playing my songs and didn't really have any. I mean, I lo- I would like I was hoping that one day I would become a successful songwriter, but really it was yeah. just about it was just about playing. But I, I just want to touch on something. I think that in in this narcissistic age that we live in now, is people are too quick 
to stop posting shit online and and trying to and trying to establish uh, trying to establish themselves as a famous singer songwriter or a famous artist before they even get good at something. You know, I think people yeah. are like, oh, I'm going to be a singer songwriter. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to record this video of me absolutely sucking. Um, you mm. know, and I'm playing this song because I want to get famous. I want to get famous. But like, do you want that? Do you want that on the internet forever? Of you sucking? Like, maybe maybe spend like a couple years getting good first. Yeah, people don't people don't do that anymore. I did they that. Just, <laughs> That's what I did a couple of years ago. It was you COVID waited? happened, and I was like, I was like, I suck. <laughs> like literally, I was like, I'm I'm shite. Like, and then had to, and I just took a step back. I was like, I'm gonna finish my songs i'm gonna like become an actual musician because i realized you're a quick, fucking like, rare breed man i don't I know. know many people <laughs> <laughs> i know but i'd be posting online but i could learn to cover in 10 minutes and that was it but like i i just knew like i couldn't imagine that happening for 10 years and actually working so but that yeah i met you a couple of months later Alfie. like that was that time like so that was me like mm. i was living by the old pier i'd be in my my spare room and i just there with the piano like literally just like painstaking <laughs> just like figuring everything out but i don't know but it's interesting because also your other advice greg playing live like that will improve any musician if you're playing in front of people and you know fucking up in the moment and you know, like learning to talk to crowds and all the yeah. rest of it like that is part of your learning we've spoken about that as well uh you know it's like real real life stuff you know um you you learn so much from from doing those that yeah. having those experiences yeah i mean you grow from it and and it, and it helps you become good at what you're trying to be good at i mean imagine if well not imagine it happens all the time you're a tiktok star right you've never even left your fucking bedroom and you and you recorded a, a live performance that was okay and went viral right and all of a sudden you get signed and the label's booking you a show and you go to a show yeah. and there's a thousand people there and you've never played live in your life, you're going to fucking suck. Well, you're going to have no, no. experience. You're going to have know. no experience on stage, no experience talking to a crowd, no experience dealing with onstage monitors, no experience playing standing up probably. You know, all of these things yeah. that you have to do by playing live over and over and over again and embarrassing yourself and sucking and then learning from it and getting better and, and evolving. And then you get to a place where if you get a thousand people in front of you, you slay, you know. But, Absolutely. But like you don't slay right out the gates. And if you do, it's very rare. You you, you have to be yeah. some sort of phenomenon, phenomena, like some sort of virtuoso, you know. But most people only only get good by doing it over and over again. Yeah, I think people so need to hear this. It's very, It's just very real, real information. You know, not everybody is fucking great at everything, first of all. No. And yeah, you, you, it, you really have to... You gotta practice. Um, People are too impatient now. That's such a good point. Like we, yeah, it's just, um, it's funny how it's taken us that long to even go to the bare bones of. <laughs> you got to be good at it. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, you know what, what a novel it's... concept. You know, you want to be a professional. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be a professional something, and yeah. you 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 think it's like me. I, all right, I'm. I want to be an architect. I'm just gonna go build a house right now. Yeah. I don't know anything yeah, no, about it's... building a house. I've got. I've got to go. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I've got to go to seven yeah. years of college. You know, I got to, I got to learn how buildings uh, operate and how they are f framed. And like, if I build a house right now, it'll fall down and everyone inside yeah, exactly. it will die. You know, yeah. why, why should, why should being a professional musician be any different? Why do why do people think that they can just be that overnight? Yeah. I mean, like I, 
I don't know what it is, but I have a... I just... Like, I, I always... I know these things exist, and obviously there are overnight sensations, and, like, you know, people obviously have confidence, and they like to think they're good, and they upload their videos, and they do become viral, and then they do tank in front of a thousand people, or, in so many cases, they sign a shit contract and go through a machine, and whatever tiny dream they might have had at the beginning of being a singer... Mm-hmm. is completely crushed because of yeah. that whole system that happens. So as much as like, yeah, like they may they may not be great. They could have if the system was better and allowed them to grow and suck. And, you know... Uh, they used to develop, develop their, it, Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think that happens anymore. And that's kind of... With this podcast, I am hoping some of these 16-year-old TikTokers are listening and they're going... God, I heard this guy, Greg Holden. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And if I am... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, Greg Holden, dream crusher. No, uh, and me to an extent. Because, yeah. again, I'm crush- I feel like I'm always being very cynical. And I just I'm feel like... great, like... Pe- <laughs> people need to hear it to go, to go, okay, I this these guys who've been through it are telling me it's not all that. And I need to understand why it's not all that you know in my case it's it's because of the deal i signed that i've mm-hmm. had such a hard time in your case like what what would be yeah what would be your biggest piece of advice to go watch out for this you know my mine would be don't sign a publishing deal you had that advice earlier on you know um that's I mean, just be like careful my... with record labels in general you know yeah they're not trying and... to make your dreams come true they're trying to make money that's yeah that's really how i think if you want to be you have to remember, right, that it's a job. Every job is a job, whether it's being a singer on stage or not, you know, or, or just working in a supermarket. I've done that too. You know, it, it can be fun. Like any job can be fun if you look at it a certain way. But like, you know, hearing about you last week saying you were on stage and you were thinking you were worrying about the debt and you were worrying about how, how much, you know, you, you, couldn't yeah. enjoy, you couldn't really be present because you were worried about, other things that's real life that's, things. that's real life that's i mean i've yeah. you know i've i've played i played in, i did an arena tour in germany once opening for my friend's band and you know i'm on stage in front of twenty thousand people and i'm thinking about how i'm not getting paid for it or i'm thinking about um h- how much merch do i have do I like is the merch separated enough across the venue yeah to, like i'm not thinking about wow i'm playing a stadium right now i'm thinking about all this other shit um and it's I think the best advice I can give is remember that it's a job and, and the the labels aren't, they're not there to make your dreams come true. They'll tell you, they'll fucking tell you they are, mm. you know, they'll tell you, they'll tell you anything that you want to hear. But the bottom line is everyone's trying to keep their job at the label. And if you don't, if you're not good enough or you're not popular enough, it's brutal. I mean, I, I when I signed my wanna deal, they were like skeptical. They were worried because my Instagram followers weren't high enough, you know? They care, they care about that mm. shit, and that's all yeah. they care about now. I mean, that was t- that was seven or eight years ago. Now that's all they care about is numbers, um, and you you just got to keep that in mind. Yeah, and it's not like I'm not trying to be like a dream crusher or anything, but like you have to remember it's a it's a job, and everyone else that's working around you is trying to keep their job too. Your booking agent, your label, your publisher, everyone is looking at. They're not waking up in the morning and thinking. What can I do for Alfie? What can I do for Greg? What can I do for Fiona? Mm. They're like, what can I do for me? 
And everybody really, in the industry is thinking, what can I do for me? And you have to keep that in mind. Yeah, I can really relate to that, Greg. I think I treated it uh, just for my first two albums. It was not a job. It was a dream. It was we need to make we need to break America. The stakes were so high. We need to break America and we need to break the UK that, mm -hmm. you know, that's what has to be done uh, in order for this to, to work, you know. Yeah. Um, and in the last, um, I really did try to think of it like a job. And that was when, yeah, I just realized how unfair everything was. And went, <laughs> yeah. But like, I've worked the job and like, I get paid and like, yeah. I've worked the job and like, yeah, you also have like rights and, you know, um, so it's, it's not great working whatever minimum wage jobs, but like you actually have more protections than you do in, yeah. in music when, you know, the stakes can be very high. As you said, you're playing stadiums. This is like a specialist job to do those sort of things and to mm -hmm. carry on those sort of pressures of as a performer. I don't know. It just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just mad, mad to think of how little it's valued as a, as a job mm -hmm. yeah. and, and how you can like, again, I, I was just following a dream, you know, until it real life caught up and I had to think of it like a job, you know? And that's the scary thing um, about dreams, you know, it is, they can really fuck you. If it's too good to be true, it probably is, you know? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Fionn. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> Thank you, um, I think, yeah. I, like, oh, Jesus. It's, no, it's, it's been so, <laughs> it's been so good to chat, Greg. Like, um, yeah, really, I don't know, just some really important realism there for, 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 for everybody. Well, I know, I, I don't generally reach out to try and be on people's podcasts. You know, I'm, I'm, I like what you guys are doing. I, yeah. I think, it, like you said, it's important for people to um, hear this. And, you know, I hope that, I hope, I really hope that we didn't just crush everyone's dreams and that we can actually have some sort of positive twist. I, you know, I still, this is my job still. I haven't quit yet, you know. Yeah. I do enjoy it from time to time, and I'm trying to find ways that I can continue to enjoy it. Um, so I do have hope, otherwise I would have quit already, you know. Mm. But I think with yeah. hope, you have to also have like real, like you have to have a reality check every now and again. Yeah. I was, I like just want to ask one, one, one more thing. And it's, you've just become a father, you said. Like, mm -hmm. how has your life as an artist and songwriter changed since, since that's happened? Um, I haven't been in my studio for about 10 weeks. <laughs> really? <laughs> just because, wow. I mean, it's just so time consuming right now, but. I think once he gets a little older and we get a bit more of a handle on it all, I'll be able to do some work. But right now, I think I'm in uh, un unofficial paternity leave. <laughs> oh, that's um, lovely, though. It's nice nice you can do that. Yeah, it's really nice. It's just uh, I think now the reality of my career is much more... I'm much more aware of, of, of it now. Like the unsustainability of the industry. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not just paying for myself anymore. I got to keep, I got to keep a kid alive. Shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, 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 where can I actually make money in this industry? I'm really starting to try and think outside of the box because I can't just dick around anymore, like writing songs and hoping that people listen to them seven and a half billion times so I can actually pay my mortgage. Mm. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Look, if you could, if you could change something overnight, what would it be, Greg? I would delete the internet. Uh, <laughs> bye everybody yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
if I could change oh. anything, I don't know, man. I mean, you can't. I, I try not to look back and think about what I could have changed because I'm here because I tried to do the best Did. thing all all along the yeah. way, you know. But within do, the industry, do I wish like things if you would... could make Oof. one change, you know, uh, pay songwriters, like what would be the? I mean, yes, you know. I think that would be the obvious one is to you yeah. know unionize songwriters and give us the ability to get what we need to survive, not necessarily get rich, but to get what we need and and you know. I would love if I could del- if I could erase anything. It would probably probably be social media. You know, even if that meant that my career was a lot more difficult because YouTube didn't exist. I think social yeah. media has social media has turned music into such a commodity. It's 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 so it feels so worthless. Uh, it's like me hearing it from the horse's mouth. I know how you feel now, Finon. It's like, oh god, <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I, you know, I keep saying I'm trying to be positive and then I shit all over it. <laughs> Just shit on my dream, Greg. Go on. I'm sorry, man. You, you know, I, you probably know a lot more than I do about the way that things are now, though. So you have an advantage in that regard. Yeah, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> so we'll see you in a week's time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think at my age, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what really is happening on social media or what are the best way to do all these things. And I see people using these formulas to get on playlists or using these techniques to get more followers. And I don't, I have no interest or no knowledge on how to do that. You know, I think people who are younger probably naturally have an ability that I don't, and that's an advantage. Yeah. But it's, I, I, yeah, I find it sad that it has to even be on the radar of an artist. Like I, I have had to, I've, I've done social media management. It just has side, side things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, I don't particularly like it, but, I don't know. I've given in to the fact that it's a necessary thing in an artist's career. And, you know, I, yeah, I've, I, I don't know. It's just it's such a strange, if you don't engage, where are you? Do you know? Yeah. Um, if, you're not, if you're not on social I, media, you don't exist, right? If you didn't comment on that post, Greg, we wouldn't be chatting. You know, exactly. it's like, it's so. It's, it's not all bad. A, it's not I just all wish, bad, exactly. I just wish it was a bit more regulated or a bit more. Yeah. I, I, you know, a bit more ma- uh, manageable from the the user's point of view, the person who's trying to get their information out there. You know, with with the algorithms and everything, it just feels so helpless. It used to be amazing, and I shouldn't say it used to be like that because I just sound like a cynical old man, which I am. But you know, it it would be nice if we had a bit more control over who saw our shit when we spent so long garnering these followers. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I completely relate to that. That's the only thing, you know. I just I wish we had a bit more control. Yeah. I think it's it, it all it all needs to be said, it all needs to be heard. Um fair play to you, Greg, for for speaking out about it and yeah, just being so honest with us about it. Um it, it's so serious what's going on. So obviously yeah, it can get into quite cynical places and, and be sad, but we are literally talking about music dying, aren't we? it's yeah it's I mean, kind of it's it's very serious and uh it needs to be approached in this manner obviously we'd like to have a laugh and a joke about it because it lightens it up for people but you're dead right to come on here and tell us both it, the situation is not great you know um but it can be you know let's end on a hopeful hopeful note like if songwriters and artists find a way which i believe they will because we always do if we can find a way to to take back control of how we are paid and how our music is distributed 
we did it. We you know we, we keep we were able to do it multiple times throughout the last few decades. If and when we can figure out how to do that, so that these these tech companies and the labels can sort of you know are made to sweat again, made to sort of feel like we're get, regaining control, then I think it will be good. You know, I think we'll find ways to be more inspired and more productive and more financially secure. Um, I believe it can happen. Yeah, it will. I, 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 unfortunately, I'm just naturally a miserable person. I think <laughs> I'm from the north of England, so you know everything has to be. You know, I have to be pessimistic about everything. I've I've always been like that, but I do have hope. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be here trying to do it. You know. Well, that's it. I I like to think like we're the products, right? Except we're not just products sitting on a shelf. We have fucking mouths, and we can talk about it, and yeah. we can be their worst fucking nightmare. Do you know? Yeah. And I would I I now feel like I need to be that a very noisy product that they wish they did never fucking paid for or uh, because <laughs> because why what have I got to lose do you know what I mean um uh, I think yeah well, you've it's... also put too much into it man you know you put too much into I this know. you've dedicated yeah. Yeah. most of your life to it and I think it, yeah. you, deserve, you deserve to be able to talk out loud about it you deserve to fight to be able to fight for it and to fight for other people you know like Fianon people who are up and coming you know it's our responsibility i think as as jaded burnt out mu- musicians we have yep. to we have to advise we don't exactly. have to crush we don't have to crush dreams but we have to advise exactly and, that's what and with that you have to be you have to be real yeah yeah like to say you have so much on <laughs> <laughs> no i just like, right, we won't I, keep you for much longer greg so sorry oh, that's right yeah I, th- I think that like just being real about it's really important and i think that you know on social media everyone's selling something and it's either selling dreams or selling themselves and you know i like to think we all have an album we all have a song that we go back to and listen to and it just kind of brings us back to like why we love music mm-hmm. and i don't know in 10 years like i hope the podcast is still going we bring you on and i do a retrospective of how I'm a jaded old. <laughs> oh, I hope not, man. I hope you're so happy but, and yeah. you're rich and you, you know, and you yeah. just, yeah, yeah. you're like, told you guys, this was totally going to work out. Yeah. He'll be selling packages called how to break uh, an artist. Yeah. Telling everybody to yeah. make these stupid videos and fucking do get naked and TikTok and whatever else. Shit, that's just you, Alfie, but I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel hopeful. I don't know. If I, First song's out in six days, and I know how much it took to get there, and and I'm and I'm just excited for the next year to release the other ones, and and I know just kind of keeping my uh focus on that, and if I can hold on to my attention when they always want to like take it away, I think I'm I'm winning. Um, but look, after I, you I told you, I bring back to something lighthearted. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did, man. You, you know, it's inspiring to to listen to you talk like that, and in the last yeah. in the last video too, you know, the last podcast too, it was. Oh, I like your optimism. I like that you're keeping a good attitude about it because I think that's that's how you do it. That's how you're going to survive. I mean, I feel like my career is grinding to a halt, and it's probably my own fault because I'm I have a terrible attitude towards the industry. And and if you have a terrible attitude towards something, how can you succeed in it? You know. You well, this to... is what we yeah yeah this is what we've been talking about because like yeah. I've I've not I've hated this job for years, Greg, and it's yeah. like you cannot say you cannot say that when you are the the job do you know uh yeah. because we are what we think you know yeah it's very difficult to uh, balance and so yeah take it all in Can I ask greg what's the best way to support your music and support you now in the age of streaming how could someone best support uh, you? probably 
I mean, buying physical product is always the best way, really, you know. I mean, I, I would say follow me or post about me, but no one's, I mean, whatever. We've just learned. <laughs> None of that matters. Um, you know, just go to my website, gregholdenonline.com, and buy vinyl or, you know, I don't know. Go, you know what you can do? You know what you can do for me and, in my, and myself? You know what you can do? You can go go to an open mic night and support five musicians yeah. there. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Go to your local open mic night or your local acoustic venue and just go sit and watch whoever's playing. That's what you can do for me. That's fucking cool. Bring music back to the yeah. real world. That's really cool. Man. That's brilliant. Fucking daddy, Greg. Yeah, I think that's that's been a beautiful interview. And yeah. Uh, I mean, I appreciate what I appreciate what you guys are doing, and I, I thanks for letting me be on the show. Honestly, I mean, it was my you thanks know I reached out show. to you guys, so I, I appreciate Dude, it. Dude, it's I'd... it's so full circle for me. It's still, I'm still taking it all in. Uh, yeah, it's the start it's of a circle mad. for me. It's absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. We're just a bunch of circles around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really appreciate the chat and yeah, all your time. Um, and yeah. Can't, can't wait to just yeah get stuck yeah. back into your music well, I appreciate yeah. it man I'll do the same and Fionn send me uh, however I can listen to yeah. your music please send that to me yeah. I want to listen I'll send you a listening link I'll send you the music video great well I appreciate you guys for all you're doing and uh, yeah. we really really appreciate so you much. Greg thank you so much alright I'll talk to you guys soon <laughs>